this week, after almost four years in the making, we finally welcome Alberto Yepes, co-founder and managing director at ForgePoint Capital, to discuss the VC perspective, embracing uncertainty and staying the course. In our second segment, we air two RSA conference interviews from Malcolm Harkins and Paul Mackay. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. Right now, everybody is talking about cryptocurrency, and the criminals are hiding in the conversation. Cyber criminals use social engineering, loaded with urgency and fear, to successfully prey on your company, your employees, and your customers. Spear phishing is just one of 13 types of email threats. Barracuda has identified these 13 types and shows you how to protect your company, your customers, and your reputation. Find out about the 13 email threat types and Barracuda email protection. Get your free ebook at securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. That's securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. It's time to rethink how we approach cybersecurity because the reality is modern cyber attackers are already past your initial defenses. ExtraHop helps your security team find and eradicate advanced threats before real damage is done. Protect your enterprise and customers with better defense. Learn more about how ExtraHop stops advanced threats at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. That's extra H-O-P. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 267, recorded June 27th, 2022. I am your host, Matt Alderman, back from a short trip to Colorado for Identiverse. Joining remotely are my co-hosts. First, Mr. Jason Albuquerque. Welcome, Jason. Hey there, Matt. How you doing? You know, this past weekend, it was Texas hot in Rhode Island. It was hot and humid. Oh, my Lord. I'm glad we got a little bit of rain, though, so it cooled off today. We need rain. It's been 20 plus days since rain, and it is hot down here right now. That that leads me to my second co-host, Mr. Ben Carr, coming at us from Austin. How hot is it in t- down there? Oh, it was my car was showing 112 yesterday. So if it's Texas hot in Rhode Island, I'm not sure what this hot is, but yeah, it's it's just a nice heat wave with no rain. Uh, grass is turning brown. Uh, restrictions on fireworks for 4th of July. It's just, it's crazy. We need rain. We need rain. Yeah, there were some in the forecast last night and it didn't come, so it missed us. Did not materialize. Yeah. Do you have a specific guest or topic that you want us to cover on one of the shows? Submit your suggestions for guests by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash guests and completing the form. We will review those suggestions often. We'll reach out to you once reviewed. Join us June 29th for a webcast with Tyler Robinson and Bo Bullock to learn how to pivot into the world of crypto security. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast to register with only your name and email. Don't forget to check out our library of on-demand webcasts and technical trainings by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash on-demand. Alberto Yepes is co-founder and managing director at ForgePoint Capital, a venture capital firm that invests in transformative companies protecting the digital future. 
He is a seasoned investor and serial entrepreneur with a proven track record of building global businesses and leading them to successful exits. Under his leadership, ForgePoint now has the largest portfolio of cybersecurity companies, currently 37 active, one of the most experienced and diverse teams in the industry, and a 75-member advisory council of industry experts, customers, and partners who support portfolio growth with guidance and connections. Alberto also serves as Chairman Emeritus of the Hispanic IT Executive Council. He was previously on the board of the National Venture Capital Association and the Board of Trustees at the University of San Francisco. Alberto, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Matt, thank you very much. Ben, Jason, you know, in Cal I live in California, and um, we had a hundred degrees. I live in, in the East Bay of San Francisco, and yesterday we also had lack of rain, really hot, and um, I can tell you, we need more rain, and let's hope for the fires not to start. Yeah, well, I was out there right after RSA conference. We stayed. The only thing mm -hmm. I got from RSA conference this year was a silly cough that I will try to keep at bay during this interview. Uh, but we went up to wine country, and that's what everybody's talking about. No rain up there. It's always, ooh, little touch touch and go when you know it starts drying out in, in Northern California. Yeah, I want to give you, um, <clears throat> given that you were in Napa a couple of weeks ago when you were visiting, the Napa Valley College got hit by ransomware. Are you aware of that? No, I was not. Yeah, so just to start the discussion, you know, they were hit by ransomware. As of last Saturday, their networks were still dark. And obviously, a lot of um, data was, you know, encrypted. And, um, and some data was exfiltrated. And... Um, as typically goes with a breach, um, they had advisors that came in and they're offering free identity protection to the students and employees. So we live in a world that cybersecurity is not just a problem for big companies or governments, but, you know, our lo local co uh, community college is getting hit. Well, we're going to talk about some of the macroeconomics here. I want to take this in a couple directions. First, I want to talk about the challenges around where we are from an economic perspective, right? We see interest rates rising. We see higher inflation. That has an impact at the macro level. I'm curious how it impacts two specific areas, Alberto. One is the cybersecurity industry side, right? What does this do to investment, innovation, etc. And then what does this mean for CISOs as they're out looking at technology solutions? What's going to be important? Where should they focus? And, and what does consolidation and things like that mean to the CISO community? So let's start with the broad-based macroeconomics. I, I, I don't think anybody's surprised we're kind of hitting some headwinds with, you know, a 75 basis point rise in, in interest rates and, and high inflation that we probably haven't seen in about 40 years. Um, that That's starting it a little bit, isn't it? It is. <clears throat> I think the key word is uncertainty. At a macro level, there's a lot of uh, global events that are adding to just the overall economic uh, outlook and shortage of supply chain, 
the conflict that we have going on with the Ukraine and Russia and contributing to the world economy either going into a recession uh, or, you know, uh, trying to combat it. So that has implications overall in the investing world because you've seen in the public markets how the stock the, the stock markets have corrected in many um, areas and, and specifically the technology sector and the software sector have been um, um, highly impacted with some of the valuations of those companies almost coming down to half of what they were. <clears throat> so when you start thinking about what is the implication to cybersecurity, you need to think about it that you know cyber the cybersecurity cybersecurity as a market is resilient to a lot of these macro dynamics because companies still need to transform digitally. They still need to invest in trying to stay relevant, and also they need to start. They need to continue to invest against cybersecurity attacks that are, we all know are getting more complex and more um, sophisticated. And it's not just by cyber criminals, but also by nation states. So when you add all these things, uncertainty, global economy, conflicts, you know, you need to figure out how do you rationalize the investment world. And um, I would say from an investor standpoint, as a venture capital firm that has been investing for quite a while, not only in our current platform, but before, we've seen some of these downturns all the way from the early, the year 2000, 2001, when there was the dot-com um, bubble bursting, and also 2008, 2009. I would tell you that innovation is alive and well. The question is, entrepreneurs are being phased with how their companies are being valued. And as a result, it creates a number of interesting dynamics in terms from an investment world. Before we jump into the investment implications, also um, we can we can also talk about the demand. The demand for cybersecurity continues to increase because not only the number of attacks and the sophistication of the attacks, but there's a lot of regulation that now is driving spend. You know, we've seen many of the states driving a lot of privacy um, regulations and and boards of directors are m m more aware than before that cybersecurity should be a, um, a very important um, subject that needs to be discussed at the board at the boardroom. But more importantly, they're becoming liable if they don't provide the right safeguards for protecting the business. So that has led to not only increase um, recruiting for people with cyber experience at the board level, regardless of the states demanding two or three diverse candidates being there, but reality increasing the 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 knowledge of cybersecurity to ask the right questions. That coupled with the need for protecting the businesses from a risk perspective and having to underwrite cyber insurance, because as soon as a breach happens, you know, you need you call your attorneys. You need to notify the affected parties. You need to notify, you know, you're you're required to notify publicly to do that. And so, at the board level, you're seeing a number of dynamics where it's also driving the spend. So, if we say uncertainty, great demand for cybersecurity that is not slowing down is only increasing by regulation and for digital transformation. Then let's talk about. 
the implications in investing. Over yeah, the past I'll 24 months, we've seen a slew of very large um, investment rounds uh, driven primarily by funds that wanted to come into the, into the sector, investing in the sector. There were crossover funds, um, not a specialist funds, and it drove the valuations of privately held companies to an all-time high because of the promise in the future of those companies. But at the same time, um, in order to gain access to those deals, they were paying valuations that were ahead of, you know, maybe in the future, two, three years in, in their projection of growth. So that has come to a halt very quickly. So we see all the the the, the funds, the tourist funds that came in into investing in, in cybersecurity staying on the sidelines, leaving entrepreneurs with a couple of decisions. Some of them have raised money. They probably have capital for the next 12, 18 months. And they're hoping that they're going to grow enough to the valuations that they raised the last round, or they're going to be faced with some interesting challenges of raising capital at lower um, valuations or being looked upon as getting acquired by existing companies. So sorry for the long answer, but I wanted to give you a broad context on the two questions you asked. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, right? We saw some interesting downsizing announcements at RSA, right? Mm -hmm. There's been some press around certain downsizings, both right before, during, and kind of after RSA conference. So with valuations where they are, right, they've compressed by at least 3x based on the conversations I've had with, with folks out in the industry. That means you got to preserve cash, got to really look at your runways and your burn rates, and hope that you get a, a, a long enough runway to get through the next 12 to 18 months so that you don't have to raise either a flat or a down round. So as, an, as a cybersecurity company, I assume this is what everybody's looking at. They're looking at the balance sheet. They're looking at their burn rates, and they're looking at a lot. How long does this cash last us? And is it long enough to get us through this you know, headwind? I'll call it a headwind for now. It could be longer, but a 12 to 18 months seems realistic. Yeah, Matt, I think you've spoken like a true entrepreneur too, because I know you're, you've been in the operating side and you lived through these downturns. So you hit it uh, on, on, the, on the spot. You know, um, cash is king. Companies expand because it's all about market, you know, trying to grab market share. But if, if there's a slowdown in a potential consumption side of things, then companies need to re re recalibrate their um, their expansion plans. It's not like they need to, they're going to go to our business. It's just the fact that they need to make sure that they focus on their core rather than trying to explore adjacencies. So the dynamic is such that I think there's great companies being built right now. They're just facing a new reality. Capital is plentifully available. If you go and look at the the number of funds that have raised money in uh, in trying to invest in targets cybersecurity as a sector, whether it's a specialized uh, fund or a fund that is generalist that wants to have exposure in cybersecurity, there's plentiful cash. The question is one of valuations and one of, fun of fundamentals. Yeah, revenue yeah, solves all wills. We're going to see. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering if you think we're going to see more 
acquisitions and you know people looking for accredited value out of companies that are much more reasonably priced now right i mean i think there there is the potential for people who are well positioned to take advantage of this and actually you know kind of accelerate out um what, what are your thoughts on that um you know M&A has always been a key characteristic of the cybersecurity investing sector, right? We we always invest with the exit in mind, and the likelihood of 90% of our portfolio being acquired is, is pretty high. And therefore, um, you, the, the reason being is the existing companies, they cannot innovate fast enough. And, you know, the sophisticated customers or consumers want to make sure that they invest in technologies that are solving the problem today. But at the same time, they're hoping to get a more of a, an integrated solution. So I would say uh, M&A, cyber M&A has been a key characteristic of this marketing and investment market that we have. And we ourselves as a fund, we experienced four exits in the last maybe 120 days. Um, we, you know, and, and why? Maybe uh, if I walk through a, a couple of the examples, we'll give you a rationale. There were two companies that were acquired by the fastest growing companies in the public markets. One of them was Cloudflare, and the other one was Sentinel One. As you know, I guess Cloudflare is still growing at almost 50% year over year. Sentinel One is growing at 100% year over year. And they're getting great premiums despite the market uh, downturn on their valuation. The key there is in order to stay relevant, in order to keep their rate of growth, they need to buy into the adjacency markets and to expand their TAM and to keep the rate of growth. So in the case of Cloudflare, they bought Area One Security, which was a company that uh, provided uh, great technology using AI-based cloud, cloud for cloud native for the next generation email, Gmail, and Outlook, and you know he, he provided and they they provided new capabilities for Cloudflare, very complementary. Interestingly enough, Cloudflare was a company was a customer of, of Area One, and they really are trying to aim their um, solution, combined solution to, you know, kind of a zero trust um, architecture, but more important to prevent business email compromise and phishing, which is one of the key vectors. The other company in the case of Sentinel One, as you know, there's a rush to the endpoint and there's a lot of competition with existing players that, you know, they're staying, they're having a hard time staying relevant, like the, the McAfee's, the semantics of the world of trends and the new entrants like CrowdStrike and others, you know, continue to grow rapidly. And for Sentinel One, in order to really stay relevant and keep their rate of growth, they acquire Atibo Networks, which is a company that used the deception in order to understand who the uh, intruders were, but more importantly, trying to help gain visibility on identity at the edge, as well as Active Directory. So a couple of good examples of companies that are fast growing, the, the reason why they want to acquire is to keep innovating, keep stay relevant, keep their rate of growth, and expand their addressable market. Another example would be a company that we invested uh, back in the Nordics, a company called Behaviosec. They use very um, advanced behavioral biometrics to prevent fraud in financial services and, and, and technical support. 
the company got acquired by LexisNexis, which, you know, is building a, a set of risk solutions. In their case, it is a very stable company, well-established, has a lot of customers globally, not only in financial services, but at retail, but they needed the new capability for behavioral biometrics in order to really detect that whether the individual using the application and the application level uh, uh, was the individual that, that claimed to be. So very different um, motivation. They bought a, a set of IP, you know, Behavior Sec had like 20 patents and was well deployed in some of the largest financial institutions in the world. And the last one was a private equity firm, different profile, um, for Scout which is owned currently by um, Advent International and Crosspoint Capital. They, they they have been around for quite a while. You guys have been around the industry and they provide network access control capabilities, but they don't they didn't keep a lot of that intelligence and insight. And they really acquired one of our companies called SciSiv, which really provided a much modern infrastructure from cloud native, you know, microservices architecture. They would provide some capability like like uh, Splunk, but more SOC driven in trying to prevent and detect threats faster and respond faster to do that. So I gave you those four examples because new entrants need to keep rate of growth, expand their TAM, you know, established players need to add to their portfolio and, and new, new players need to add uh, capability so that they can drive um, for better dominance and trying to get into markets that perhaps they were unable to do that before. So let me give you a, a couple of statistics. In 2020, according to a recent article in Crunchbase that came out today, there were 76 M&A transactions in cybersecurity. In 2021, all-time high, 124 M&A transactions that were announced and publicly acknowledged. Right now, in the first half of 2022, it hasn't slowed down. There have been about 49, almost 50 transactions that have been, you know, publicly announced and recorded. And so, you know, while we may not have the um, the full, um, you know, 124 um, M&A transactions that happened in, in, in 2021, it's still the, the market is off to a great start. The other thing that is important to understand is, M&A could be a company can be sold or could be acquired, right? If you get acquired, you get higher multiples because the acquirer perceives great value in your technology and their ability to expand their business. And we're seeing pretty healthy multiples are still being played, at least out of our own, our own experience. If you get to sell the company, it's a very different issue because then companies smell that you're not going to be able to be viable. And the valuations that you may expect may not be um, what the entrepreneur hoped to have when they started the business. Just to give you, on an average, the first transactions that I that I mentioned, there were between 15 to 20 times trailing revenue, so were pretty healthy premium valuations. But when you have uh, when you sell a company, you may get 4x, 5x, 6x. It's not going to be in the same multiples. That's kind of a broadly speaking, in the M&A market. The other thing is, it's easier in an established company to buy a company than build a business because from time to market, time to value, and there's uh, ability to 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 drive innovation uh, by doing acquisitions. 
So, so Alberto, I, I come from the, the services side of the aisle, right? And, and many of those uh, organizations that you're talking about where, you know, my, my, my company's partners with them. And for mm-hmm. them to expand their addressable market, they lean on their services providers, their partners to help them expand that addressable market. Now with, you know, clients that we talk to, uh, they're cutting spending, they're paring back on hiring, uh, they're, they're making sure they have more cash on hand, you know, but from everything I'm hearing from you, it sounds like the cybersecurity industry is, is going to continue to be healthy, is going to really be resilient against this. How do you see it affecting the service providers, the, these cybersecurity and IT service providers? It's a great comment. You know, uh, the, the, Jason, the, the service provider market, as long as they're value-added service providers, they're going to do very, very well. As you know, we have a huge shortage of qualified professionals uh, in our industry. And businesses like the Napa Valley College probably have the same person running facilities doing cybersecurity, right? So they need to have the trusted advisor to help them do that. And therefore, you know, there's there's a change in the channel for traditional cybersecurity products, that is the managed service security, managed security service provider or the MSP, which is the trusted advisor that provides advice in technology, but they're beginning to drive adoption on um, newer technologies. So I would say that there is a very good uh, outlook for people that are providing that value-added services and not just providing margins and lower costs because the big issue that would drive the adoption of those MSPs or MSSPs or cloud service providers focused on cybersecurity will be the value-add that you have. So I think in cybersecurity, we tend to be always want to talk about the, the big companies, the big banks and the big retailers and how they are facing challenges in curtailing expenses and this and that and the other. But, you know, I think we're going to, we're entering an era where the mid-market and the small-medium business are being affected, and therefore they're going to need that capability. And they cannot go directly to a, a cross-strike, and even they cannot even afford a cross-strike. They're going to go to, to platforms in aggregated technologies at, at ForgePoint, we decided to launch our own MSSP with a goal to actually integrate many of our solutions so that in its medium, small-medium business, instead of having to deal with five of our companies, they'll buy a service that will allow them to prevent you know, business email compromise, to deal with the endpoint, to deal with some of the data insights and everything else. The company is called Soul Cyber. And today, you know, they give you some of the best in class point solutions deliver as a service. And, you know, I think it's like $50 an endpoint or or something, but uh, that really, and it provides you the level two, level three, and it's more the value added that people are, are, are betting on that service provider uh, that that is going to be the one that they're going to rely upon not only to protect their business but when they have a a when they have to underwrite uh, cyber insurance it's interesting we can start talking about that market they um soul cyber is about to announce a relationship with a cyber insurance provider that if it's a soul cyber customer because there's a preliminary assessment of the readiness of that business to to withstand an attack, then you're going to have a discount on your cyber insurance underwriting. So there's interesting dynamics going on, and in how do you consume that 
purely, and I would say that the large market opportunity exists in the medium to small business. And uh, we're experiencing that in in our portfolio. And obviously, is the ease of consumption, ease of deployment, easy to do business with, rather than just having to go buy a big license and and contract a big integrator that is going to take time to deploy your solution. So the world is changing very rapidly. Yeah, that, that that's dead on with, with what I'm seeing with our customers. It's it's all the value add that you bring to the table. And, and bringing them down the journey to, to adopt those technologies. So many of those, those companies that we work with, you know, we're coming in the door because they're only able to adopt maybe 20% of the capability of, of you know, uh, an application that they purchased or a platform that they invested in. And then we, we come in and we add that value, right? So, you know, for me, it's connecting the dots, having a great service provider with a partner um, you know, on the application side or the platform side and really helping not only with the sale, but that journey, that that business partnership into the long term is what's going to keep us healthy. Right on, Jason. You know, we, we also have, a, we're investors in a company called um, Huntress, Huntress Lab. Mm-hmm. And Huntress is really positioned itself as cybersecurity for the nine, 99%. So the, the the people that don't cannot afford a CrowdStrike, cannot afford you know, uh, an Arcside or a Splunk. And basically, they target the MSP, the managed service provider, as the key channel. They don't go direct. They work through the channel. And, you know, it's a community that is being built that everybody contributes so that there's a momentum being built. And, you know, they've done a great job at, at really mining and understanding first the motivations in the business model of the MSP before they even price. Because, you know, their endpoint compared to any of the other um, endpoints in the market, they're less than $5, maybe $3 uh, per month, per user per month. And when some of the other ones are $20, $30, $40, depending on the volume that you you have. So you're beginning to see emerging companies, they're beginning to drive great new innovation at the right prices so that you can enable the service provider market to make money and to provide tremendous value add to the customers. Alberto, I heard some themes out of this um, kind of consolidation, right? Think about platform plays, right? You got the platform players adding to their capabilities and scooping up more TAM so they can continue their growth. Let's flip this a little bit and talk about the CISO, because as the CISO starts thinking about investments they're making to protect their environment, obviously the service provider conversation for medium and small businesses makes a lot of sense. But as a CISO, how do I evaluate what's going on in the market? Because we all know the CISO has too many security products. We've been talking about consolidation. We've been talking about platform plays. How do they reevaluate their security strategy in this environment? And, and what should they be looking for? And, and how do they evaluate technology going forward? That's a great question, Matt, because imagine you, you or I being CISOs today. It's like you get bombarded by a lot of vendors and all of them would sound, sound exactly the same or have a slight difference in terms of what they offer. And then you really need to peel the onion and bring it in-house, do the testing and validate their claims. So I think the CISO community, as you know, is 
is becoming a lot closer and there's a lot of exchanges you know you 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 i think you belong or you were part of uh the security tinkerers which is a group that is online that exchange information but it's not new innovation there's a lot of different groups that have been created in order to exchange information um so if i were responsible for um a, an institution that needs to make a bet in a new player, I would think like an investor, like a VC, right? Obviously, large market opportunity that will sustain an independent company or a company that can grow to a certain scale. The IP the, it has to be very hard to replicate, very unique, because otherwise uh, an existing player can come in and just take the market away, and now you're, you're all of a sudden are using the technology of a company that is not going to be premium and therefore you're having to had to deal or retool yourself in the area you decided to do that um, obviously from a go-to-market perspective um, the the CISOs need to see well do you understand my current infrastructure how do you fit in so the vendors that are going to be very successful the emerging players are going to be very successful in getting the CISO mindshare is the people that understand interoperability and the ability to integrate with existing environment everybody wants to do the greenfield the stuff that all works and it's all API driven and it's all cloud driven reality that the cybersecurity is all about legacy and migration to a new environment so the successful companies are the ones that are going to acknowledge and take responsibility for integration and interoperability that said as a CISO the next question I would ask is okay how how's the team? Do I do I believe in this team that is gonna be successful? They have the experience of it and done this before, to have that context and the context to be successful. And lastly, I would say they will you will look at their current investor syndicate because that becomes really, really critical. As you know, there's been a lot of angel investments and a lot of uh Series A investments where they lack a strong syndicate, then in, in times like these becomes really hard for them to raise the next round. So, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that you you need to have the confidence that the company that you're going to invest and deploy in your infrastructure is gonna be here to stay and is going to be relevant and acknowledges the fact that they need to partner with others and pre-integrate and service your current infrastructure and help you migrate to a new world. So lots of considerations. I always say as a VC, we look at market, we look at intellectual property, IP, very hard to replicate. We go go to market, who else is working with them and pre-integrating. We look at the team, how experienced it is, have they had a successful track record, and um, can they really give you the, the confidence that they're going to be able to grow the business in the standalone or, or take it to a successful exit, and also look at the investor base. We're very fortunate at Forgepoint, uh, since we started and we were a sector-focused fund, that we built the advisory council, you know, uh, which is a group of about 75 people. Many of them are practitioners and many of them are CISOs at all, all sorts of industries and so on. They not only ground our investment thesis in our areas where we focus, but they really help us rationalize the product roadmap, uh, the ability for the companies to integrate, making uh, the appropriate introductions and help them grow, become reference accounts, and they eliminate a lot of the, you know, um, the, the potential risks or just thinking of I'm going to be a standalone company and I'm going to do this and not necessarily acknowledge the, the fact that there's an environment that you need to fit in. So um, 
I think it's a loaded answer to you, but I would, I think the CISO needs to think as an investor, bottom line. Yeah, I mean, the CISO's got a lot on their plate today. So we just added another responsibility. They need to think like an investor. So they, they make the right decisions when it comes to investment. So Jason, Ben, do you guys think like investors? I, I do. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, for, for my organization, anybody that we bring in house, it's, it's a long-term journey and it's an investment, right? Mm -hmm. I'm investing in a partnership. And in that same breath, it's, it, you know, because we use what we sell, I'm investing in our customers because we want to be able to bring that success to the table for our customers. So I'm thinking in that fashion that anything that we start going down the path to, to, to partner with a company, I'm thinking not only for us as an organization, but I'm thinking customer success at the end. So yeah, you know, these, these partners have to have great experience, a great track record. You know, they, they have to have a great go to market plan. Uh, otherwise they can't even come to the table and talk to us. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's really a holistic approach when you're looking at a program and the vendors that you're bringing in to be part of that program. I mean, it really is a partnership and you have to figure out what's the long term play there. So, you know, especially when you know situation gets like this in the financial markets, you have to think about if you brought in a vendor who's, you know, doesn't have a lot of track record, who's uh, early stage, are they going to be able to weather it? Right. And even some vendors who've been around for a while, are they going to be a, there for the long haul to be a partner with you? Or are you going to have to spend more money? to rip and replace and, and change out something. Um, and I think even from, you know, more stable times, you have to think like, what's the acquisition market look like? And if a vendor gets acquired by another company that doesn't match with your strategy and misaligns, what does that look like? So I think it's, it's often kind of trying to put a little bit of that investor mindset on and partner with the investor in the PE community to figure out like, where does that real alignment look like and partnership look like? And how does your strategy play out uh, from the vendor side? Absolutely. Alberto, thank you so much for joining us on Business Security Weekly. You know, I want to thank you guys for what you do for our industry, because I'm a big fan of your podcast and all the insights that you, you share, because it's from the ground up. It's not, you know, everybody can pay a lot of money for getting marketing and exposure. But what I really like about you, you bring practitioners to the table, not only in both sides, like Jason and Ben and yourself, but also very thoughtful um, speakers that can provide some insights for the market. So I think the parting thoughts, cybersecurity's innovation is, is strong, is alive and well. And there's, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of new companies that perhaps we they're not in our radar today. And, uh, you know, uh, let's keep, uh, let's keep, uh, you know, enjoying the, the market and our positions in the industry to, to, to drive some change. We'll keep the innovation flowing. Thank you, Alberto. We're going to take a quick break and then air our RSA conference interviews with Malcolm Harkins and Paul Mackay. It's Independence Day next week, so we'll see you again in two weeks on Business Security Weekly. <laughs> 